Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Third and final hour this morning on 106.7 The Fan. What's going on, DMV? Hope everybody's doing well today. We're on your AM, FM dial, the Odyssey app, and the stream at thefandc.com. However you're tuned in today, we appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I'm Danny Noakes, Caitlin producing the show it's been fun so far, and now down to our final hour. We're going to be talking a little Commanders football, a little Wizards basketball, a little UFC 280 as well. That's coming up in the next segment. But right now we go over to the BetQL guest hotline to welcome in a good friend of mine and a familiar voice to you all out there. It's Linnell Willingham, co-host of Burgundy and Gold today. Burgundy and Gold game day over on our sister station, the Team 980, but you hear him here on 106.7 The Fan as well. You can find him on Twitter, at Nell underscore BTP. Linnell, what's going on this morning, dude? How are you? I'm good, man. Look, I was at Cap One Arena last night for the Wizards season opener. The vibes were good, so I'm good, man. Happy That's to join good. you. I'm glad, man, and and I saw on your Instagram story, it looked like you had some pretty good seats to take in the Wizards' win last night. Bradley Beal, obviously the big shot towards the end of the game off the glass. Wizards did blow a 17-point lead, though, so I'm curious for, for your overall assessment of that game last night. What did you think? Uh, first, I just want to shout out the people in the District of Columbia for coming out last night, man. That was yeah. my first like season opener that I've ever went to. The atmosphere was crazy. I know people like to talk about the Caps as being the best show in town at Verizon Center, but last night was was definitely uh, one to remember. Uh, as for the Encore product, man, look, I thought, you know, like you mentioned, they blew a 17-point lead, but the fact that they were able to close it out and, and get the victory at the end is all I really care about. It's just early in the season, so, you know, you understand these guys are still trying to learn each other and gel and mesh and continue to, you know, build that chemistry. But you saw it, Danny, man. They got guys that can legitimately go get a bucket when you need it. Um, the veterans on this team played a huge role last night. Will Barton came in and had some big buckets. DeLone Wright, you know, continuing to show what he can provide on the defensive end. And, man, this is crazy. I might sound like a nut when I say this, Danny. After last night, man, Kyle Kuzma, man, he what if he is the best player on the Wizards? And we're not even talking about it. I know. 26 points, 8 of 16 from the field, 4 of 8 from downtown. Very efficient night from Kyle Kuzma. And and just back to your original point there, Linnell, I think Cap 1 Arena was maybe 100, 150 seats shy of a sellout last night. So, yeah, atmosphere rocking. Hopefully that continues here throughout the season. But I, I love what you're saying about Kuzma as well. Very good 34 minutes of action last night. He seems to be getting more and more comfortable with the Wizards each game that he plays in, don't you think? 
Yeah, I agree, man. And it started last year. You know, he, he really is starting to come into his own as a scorer, but that's not the only thing he could do. He made some really good plays for others last night. And then I love them playing him at the power forward spot because he's 6'10". But obviously you see the way he handles the ball and how fluid he is as a dribbler. He plays like a guard almost at 6'10". So they have the ability to create some matchup opportunities on the offensive end for him. Um, but, yeah, like, like you mentioned, though, he's really starting to you know come into his own. And you see him getting more comfortable each and every night. But obviously you see who closed out the game for the Wizards, the $250 million man. Uh, hopefully they can get him more involved on the offensive side. Yeah. Uh, earlier on in the game, he obviously had the turnover there at the end that made us all hold our breath for a second. But ultimately, man, yeah, I think this team's going to end up being pretty good. But they're going to really, I think they're going to go as far as Kyle Kuzma and Bradley Beal take them offensively. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. And one thing that I notice, Linnell, just looking at the at the statistics from last night and having watched the game, uh, Danny Avdia obviously got into a little bit of foul trouble. Same with Porzingis. Yeah. Uh, it's it's incredible that that the Wizards only got 11 free throws up when the Bulls, who were a playoff team last year and very good, led by Demar Derozan, got 33 free throws up. That's just something that that obviously is going to have to change. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't like it was for the Wizards' lack of effort. Like, they attacked right. the rim all night long, it felt like. And I think that's going to be, you know, their bread and butter moving forward offensively. Like, Bradley Beal, you know, is one of the best scorers in the NBA, but he gets to the cup at will. Kyle Kuzma was able to get to the cup at will. It just felt like, I don't know, man, you were supposed to get some home cooking last night. It's your home opener, and then the refs swallowed their whistle in about the first quarter and didn't, didn't take it out of their throat until the fourth quarter. <laughs> mm-hmm. It happens sometimes, and the Wizards yeah. overcome it. They start 2-0. and They are on the road at Cleveland. They get the Cavaliers tomorrow night, 7 p.m. tip-off on NBA TV and NBC Sports Washington. Check it out right here locally. We're talking to Linnell Willingham. He's on our sister station, the Team 980 weekdays for the Burgundy and Gold today, as well as Burgundy and Gold game day. Find him on Twitter at Nell underscore BTP. Linnell, if we kick it over to the NFL and look at what the commanders have going into this Packers game on Sunday, it's a shame that we we really can't even – lead with the actual football game that's happening on the field this Sunday when you've just got everything going on with Dan Snyder off the field and and the comments by Jim Irsay from earlier this week it's it's really all just a distraction that's becoming very tiresome isn't it yeah and I'm glad you put it that way because it is becoming tiresome obviously you know we want justice to be served for the women that were affected you know in this situation but I'm at Mm -hmm. the point with the National Football League look if you're not going to come to a vote and vote Daniel Snyder out then Let's stop talking about it. Let's stop making it national news. Let's stop being. Let's stop wasting our time on it. Obviously, we want justice, like I said, for the women that were affected, and we want people to be held accountable and held responsible. But if Daniel Snyder is not going to ultimately be, be voted out, then the NFL has to look themselves in the mirror and figure out, you know, where their moral compass aligns and what type of league they want to be known as. Yeah, and, and I couldn't have said it any better myself. And and you're exactly right. It's. It's it's time to either go or, or get off the toilet, right? They, you can't just sit right. there and not do anything like they've right. been doing for, for over a year at this point. But the game itself on Sunday, obviously very important for both the Commanders and the Packers, and we're going to get to see a very familiar face under center for Washington, Linnell. It's Taylor Heineke back under center, and, and I've mentioned this towards the top of the show today, but they've had some offensive success against the Packers in, in years past, particularly Terry McLaurin, who's caught a touchdown in each of his last two games games against the Packers I think they need to get him more involved I've been saying it for weeks I know the offensive line it's hard to get good protection I think it's improved I'm hoping that they use Heineke's mobility try and get him outside the pocket get the ball to Terry McLaurin a little bit more this week 
Yeah, it's got to be the game plan. I mean, 17 has got to be involved early and often, like you mentioned. And I think with Taylor Heineke being under center, uh, there's a more realistic chance of that happening. They've already got a rapport built from last year. Uh, obviously, we all know Terry, I mean, excuse me, Taylor started 15 games and was able to build that chemistry with Terry. And yeah. I just want to see him throw him a slant ball. Like, it doesn't even have to be any type of down the field stuff for me. You saw it against Chicago and against Tennessee. You get the ball in Terry McLaurin's hands, and good things happen. He's one of the mm-hmm. toughest uh, receivers to bring down after the catch. But as far as you know, the, the, the overall game plan offensively for Washington tomorrow, I think you want to get Terry involved. But based off of you know the way Green Bay has struggled to stop the run this year, I, I expect to see a lot of Brian Robinson uh, and Antonio Gibson early on in that game. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right about that. And and Brian Robinson, I think, has, has given them some extra juice in their running game since he has, has returned, obviously, since the attempted robbery and the gunshot wound that he's been recovering from. But real quick, Linnell, before I let you go, just looking at the defensive side of the ball, they're playing better. At least they are playing better up front. Montez Sweat is starting to turn it on. Deron Payne's having a darn good season. Jonathan Allen, as, as good as he has been recently. So they're returning to form. And... You really need that out of your defensive line because the secondary is, is struggling, especially with the William Jackson saga and, and Kendall Fuller not quite playing up to, to his billing this year. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch tomorrow because, as you mentioned, you know it looks like Washington's been playing a lot better defensively, but the one thing I can't seem to get over, Danny, is they're still giving up big play after big play after big yeah. play. Even against Chicago, I know the Bears were only able to muster seven points because of it. But you saw in that Thursday night game multiple times guys running wide open and just giving up big plays in the running game and the passing game. Justin Fields hurt you with his legs. If this defense is going to, you know, return to the form that we saw them in in 2020, they got to stop giving up big plays because right now that's really been their their downfall. As you mentioned, the pass rush is starting to get juiced up and Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and those guys are starting to get home on a more consistent basis. And, you know, in return, that should help out the secondary and prevent them from giving up big plays. But it hasn't really translated all the way yet. But I do expect Green Bay to be another opportunity for this defensive line to tee off. Yeah, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. And, you know, real quick before we let you go, help me finish this sentence, Linnell. The Commanders will win this game if. Now, I, I know that the Packers are favorites, yeah. and, and a lot of folks here, around here are picking Green Bay to win this game. If the Commanders are going to do it, the Commanders will win this game if what? Two things. they got to protect the football, which they've done a pretty decent job doing. But the last thing I'm about to say is the penalty battle. You have to win yeah. the penalty battle. The last three weeks, going back to Dallas, Washington has just been an undisciplined football team, and it goes against the style of ball that they're trying to play right now. You see they're trying to lean more on the running game and you know, take play the three yards in the cloud of dust football, but you can't do that when you're having penalties on first and second down and constantly putting yourself behind the sticks, and it forces you into obvious passing situations. And the way this offensive line has performed this year, you know, Danny, I mean, whenever uh, a opposing defense gets to pin their ears back, they're licking their chops and feel like they've got barbecue chicken on the other side of the offensive line. <laughs> if, if Washington, you've got to be disciplined, man. And it's frustrating when you talk about it, Danny, because this is a Ron Rivera-led team, someone who's supposed yeah. to be a disciplinarian, but the guys just, just aren't playing discipline right now, it seems like, man. Yeah, they're definitely not. The, the penalties are there. You know, the, the, the offensive line, though, hopefully improving, defense improving. We'll see if Taylor Heineke coming in. He wasn't supposed to be the more talented guy than Carson Wentz, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, he gives them a yeah, little bit of a spark. Hold, hold your horses on that. I, look, I'll <laughs> say this. I think the offense 
will end up moving the football in between the 20s really well. It just, the red zone success. That, that was the thing with Taylor Heineke last year. It felt like there were stretches where he got the offense to move on a consistent basis, but they stalled in the red zone. Even the Packers game from last year. You remember the, yeah. the premature dive that Taylor Heineke had before he, before he actually got to the pylon. I mean, that ends right. up costing you that football game in hindsight. If they can have success in the red zone and keep the turnovers and penalties down, I think they'll give themselves a shot tomorrow. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, it's like once the field shrinks a little bit for Heineke, the closer he gets yeah. to the end zone, the harder it is for him to kind of move the ball. We'll, we'll just have to see. Commanders, 1 o'clock kickoff at home against Green Bay tomorrow, and the Wizards tip off tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, on the road at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Linnell, thanks so much for helping us break it all down, partner. Looking forward to hearing you on Burgundy and Gold Game Day tomorrow morning, buddy. We'll catch up with you again soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. You got it, man. That's Linnell Willingham. You can hear him daily over on our sister station, the Team 980, for Burgundy and Gold today and pregame for the Washington Commanders. Burgundy and Gold game day. And he's also on 106.7 The Fan from time to time as well. Really appreciate Linnell's insight. He's fantastic. It's good stuff right there. Brings up a lot of really good points, as you would expect as well. We'll see. There's a lot of excitement. We've seen the good from Taylor Heineke. We've seen the bad from Taylor Heineke. We've seen the good from Carson Wentz. We've seen the bad from Carson Wentz this year. So, like Linnell was talking about, though, don't turn the football over. Don't get penalized a ton. And that's at least a good start in terms of a winning formula going into this game against Green Bay. All right, let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. And coming up next, UFC 280. The prelims are happening right now. Big old pay-per-view event starts at 2 p.m. today. At least the main card does. We'll look at that coming up. Thank you again to Linnell Willingham of our sister station, the Team 980. He hosts Burgundy and Gold today. That's on the weekdays, and then Burgundy and Gold game day, which is on game days. Pre-game coverage for the Commanders and the Packers tomorrow. Check it out over on the Team 980. Also got into some Washington Wizards basketball with Linnell. He was there in attendance at a nearly sold-out cap on arena to watch the Washington Wizards get a 102-100 win over the Chicago Bulls to go 2-0 and last night. Not bad. At least it's a good start for the Wizards this season. And for the Capitals, not quite as smooth. 2-3 and three out of the gate. Caps in action tonight. The Wizards in action tomorrow night. 800-636-1067 is the MGM at National Harbor listener line. If you want to jump in on the conversation at any point over these last three segments, we're with you up until noon. So stick around until then. Already underway right now, UFC 280 prelims. And UFC 280 is a big pay-per-view event that's happening later on today from Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. Again, prelims already underway. So if you are you got us tuned in at home and you're watching the prelims, great. If you're out and about running some errands, you're headed to a game this morning with one of the kids and whatnot, we're certainly gr- glad to have you here, but... Lots of events going on today, UFC, college football, Major League Baseball playoffs later on tonight, and NBA basketball as well as NHL hockey. Now, the pay-per-view event for the UFC, get in those seats early because, again, starts at 2 o'clock, so about two and a half hours from now is when you're going to have that main card starting. 
But and by the way, in terms of the the prelims, you've got Volkan Ozdemir who's who's fighting in the prelims. Bilal Muhammad is also fighting in the prelims. So you you've got a couple of very recognizable names that will at least be a part of the prelim action of UFC 280. I like to watch the prelims before the the main card starts out. You know, it's fun to put these uh, four, five or six if you're really brave. But a four-fight parlay together on FanDuel, I use FanDuel, whether you use DraftKings, uh, Caesars, or what have you. There's a million different places where you can get those bets in now. I like to give it a little bit of an extra sweat. Both of my brothers, actually, Andy and Brady, much more knowledgeable on the UFC than I am. They're just locked in. They consume it a little bit more. So they're naturally more successful when it comes to the gambling side of things. In fact, I'll have to at some point probably hit them up today and see what their parlays for today might be looking about because I'm usually just tailing one of them. And in particular, my my youngest brother, I think, has had the most success from, from a gambling standpoint there. But uh, but I digress. I mentioned Ozdemir, Bilal Muhammad. They're on the prelims. So you're actually Ozdemir, I think, is going to be um, fighting a little bit later on. But when you get to the main card, things start to get very interesting because Sugar Sean O'Malley is a part of, of one of these bouts against Peter Ian. And he Sugar Sean is one of the more electric fighters, I think, in the UFC today. Obviously, very colorful character. I mean that both literally and figuratively. But that should be a heck of a lot of fun. Not to mention one of the two championship bouts that you're going to be watching today if you choose to view the pay-per-view event for UFC 280, Sterling versus Dillashaw. And this is one that in a bantamweight title fight is really interesting because these two guys, I think, very similar in a lot of ways, but Sterling's going to have a four-inch reach advantage, and he comes in as the champion for this fight. It's just the warm-up bout. It's the warm-up bout for what everybody is excited about, the main event of the evening, a lightweight title fight between Charles Oliveira and Islam Markachev. Oliveira stripped of his title belt, however. He does come in, and most people consider him to still be the lightweight champion of the world. He's 33-8 and eight coming into this. 33-8 uh, and eight coming into this bout, but also 33 years old. He won the lightweight title belt over Michael Chandler back in 2021, but then officially lost it in May when he missed weight for a title defense against Justin Gaethje. So he doesn't technically, actually it's not technically, he doesn't have the championship belt anymore. It's it's up for grabs. And so uh, who he was just the last person to win the belt. So Markachev, Makachev could definitely get, could, could rip it back away from him. He's only lost one fight in his professional career. Both guys, 5'10", similar weight, 155 pounds. But again, talk about a four-inch reach advantage in the Sterling-Dillashaw fight. It's the same thing for Oliveira Makachev. It's a three-and-a-half-inch reach advantage for Oliveira, the Brazilian, over Makachev, the, the Russian. So we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how that one shakes out. It's, it's a very stacked UFC event. Guys like Sugar Sean O'Malley and and then TJ Dillashaw, part of a of a a, a championship bout, as well as Olivera Makachev. It, it's got all the makings of what should be a really fun UFC event. UFC 280 over in Abu Dhabi. Prelims underway, and the main card starting at two o'clock. So let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll do a little bit of college football as we're now closing in on the noon kickoffs 
across the country. College football discussion. We're looking at all the big games coming up today. Coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Just two segments left this morning on 106.7 The Fan. At least two segments left with myself and Caitlin, who's here producing the show. I'm Danny Noakes with you up until noon. We got a full slate of college football games that are getting ready to start right now, and it's a pretty good slate, not going to lie. Last weekend, also pretty good. It's really going to be hard to top last weekend's game between Tennessee and Alabama. College football at its finest. I mean, it it really was. I There's... Very few things outside of the National Football League and other college football games that that top a high-level SEC football game on CBS late afternoon, early evening. That just makes me very nostalgic, and, and it's just a lot of fun to watch, right? I mean, that was a very competitive game that Tennessee did have a control of for, what well, I mean, I would say like 80 to 85%. Then you had that turnover at the at the very end of the game that looked like Alabama might steal this game away on the road. But, man, credit to Hen and Hooker and credit to the Tennessee Volunteers who did end up getting that win. Shout-out to Shane, who called in all the way from Knoxville, Tennessee, to give his Vols a shout-out. And I, I mentioned to him that I was a Virginia Tech Hokie. I did graduate from Virginia Tech, and uh, to that he only had um, – Sorrow to express, considering Tennessee now has the former Virginia Tech starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker, on his way to potentially wing a Heisman Trophy if he's able to continue playing at the pace that he is right now because he is as electric a player as there is in college football. And speaking of Tennessee, we already mentioned that they're going to kick their game off at noon, so about 27 minutes from now. Not a tough game for them on the SEC Network. They've got UT Martin. Worth mentioning, just because of their win over Alabama last week. Shouldn't have much trouble with UT Martin, you wouldn't think. Another game that kicks at noon, Iowa at number two, Ohio State. Considering that game's in Columbus, I do not expect that game to be particularly competitive, but here's one that I do expect to be competitive. Number 14, Syracuse at number five, Clemson from Memorial Stadium down there in Clemson, South Carolina. The Tigers... They're undefeated this year, and if they can get through this part of their schedule, you know they're going to get a date with South Carolina at the end of the year, as they always do. But I've been at least hesitant to heap praise on their starting quarterback, DJ Uwe Ungalale, and has a lot to do with what we saw last year. But I think he's very clearly improved. Coaching staff has probably figured out a way, despite losing both their offensive and defensive coordinators to head coaching jobs this year. Tony Elliott, now the head coach at uh, UVA, and then Brent Venables, the head coach now at Oklahoma. Both guys not having the seasons that they would have hoped, by the way. But Clemson has, has really responded well, and they get Syracuse here. Then they're on the road at Notre Dame on November 5th. Here's the thing, and, and the, so there's a bye week between Syracuse and Notre Dame for Clemson here. But Notre Dame lost their starting quarterback. They've got some other injuries as well. Notre Dame is not going to – they're not even ranked right now. They're having a down season. Uh, it has nothing to do with the absence of Brian Kelly, by the way, but rather the injuries that they're trying to battle through. So – Syracuse, Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina. That's what the end of Clemson's schedule looks like. That's their final five games. 
they're going to be at least a touchdown favorite in all of these games. They've actually only got one road game left, and it's that Notre Dame game. So Clemson's in a very, very, very good spot to get back to the ACC championship game, something that they were not able to do last year. And and they've now hit double-digit 10-win seasons in a row. Dabo Swinney deserves a lot of credit, obviously, because he's he's got Clemson a number five ranking headed into this matchup with number 14 Syracuse, a good Syracuse team. And I am a Dino Babers fan. Dino, the head coach at Syracuse, I had the chance to catch up with him three years in a row when I covered Virginia Tech and I went to the ACC kickoff. He is an incredibly nice dude. He's a great interview. He's incredibly charismatic. And I root for Syracuse in a lot of situations just because of, of how good Dino Babers was to me and my younger brother, who at the time was my producer. Uh, he was a very cool dude. So Syracuse and Clemson, number 14 versus number five, is a noon kickoff on ABC. So we get a top 15 matchup to start things in just about 24 minutes. That's where I'm going to go as soon as I get off the air. But we've also got some good games here in the 3.30 time slot. Ole Miss, LSU, not a ranked matchup with both teams being in the top 25, but Ole Miss, number seven in the country, headed on the road. They get LSU. LSU, first year under Brian Kelly, they've been a bit underwhelming. So this could be one of those spots where the SEC sort of devours its own. Maybe LSU at in Death Valley is able to pull off an upset over the top 10 ranked Ole Miss Rebels. We'll have to see. That's a 3.30 kick on CBS. In the Pac-12 on Fox, number 9 UCLA at number 10 Oregon. You heard me talking, if you've been with us since the start of the show, maybe an hour or so ago, referencing the fact that College Game Day was on campus in Eugene at the University of Oregon for today's show. And with them being three hours behind, it's still only 8.30 out there on the West Coast. And they said that folks were there ready to party with College Game Day all night long. When they went live, it was 6 a.m. And when people were taking videos, sending pictures, posting them on Twitter and all sorts of other social media, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. And I just remember the one time that I got to attend a college game day show was when Virginia Tech hosted Clemson in 2017, a couple of years after I graduated, and I was there to cover the game. It's so cool. And and every school embraces college game day differently. That's what I love about it. It's part of what makes college football so great. And still, despite the fact that the actual product on the field has not been particularly good this year for college football as a whole, some good games here and there, Tennessee, Alabama, that's tough to top, but that tradition and the pageantry that come with college football obviously make it so special for so many of us. So number nine, UCLA, number 10, Oregon, it, from Outson Stadium in Oregon, 3.30 kickoff on Fox. You've got number 20, Texas, on the road at number 11, Oklahoma State. That's a 3.30 kickoff on ABC. Oklahoma State might be the least talked about top 15 team in the country right now. They have quietly had a very good season over under Mike Gundy. And Gundy has had this program competing pretty regularly near the top of the Big 12. And, and as Texas and Oklahoma get ready to leave for the SEC, I have to think that, that they'll only continue to climb the, the regular rankings of, of the Big 12 every single year. That's assuming that the Big 12 doesn't get dissolved if we head to the mega conferences that we're expecting, right? That, that's kind of hard to imagine, but it's, a, it's at least worth mentioning because 
all sorts of crazy stuff is going to happen when Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC and UCLA and USC go from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. You have to wonder when some of these conferences, too, are going to start changing their names, right? The Big Ten. There's no longer 10 teams in the Big Ten. It's been a while uh, since... Remember, the Pac-12 used to be the Pac-10. So I wonder if when we go to super conferences, we'll be calling it the the SEC 16 or something. I don't know. They'll probably be able to just stick with the SEC. But these are the conversations that we're going to start having here pretty soon. Uh, How about the Maryland Terrapins? Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins. They're hosting Northwestern today at the Shell College Park, 3.30 kickoff. Check that one out on the Big Ten Network. Maryland looking to respond after a loss to Purdue. Purdue, by the way, if you're curious, on the road at Wisconsin today. That's also a 3.30 kickoff from Camp Randall Stadium in Madison. I had the chance to take my first trip to Madison this year and go to a Wisconsin game. They absolutely throttled New Mexico State in that game, and that was before they fired Paul Christ, who was a Wisconsin alum. Very strange things happening there in Wisconsin. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, has taken over as the head coach since then. So we'll see what happens. Wisconsin-Purdue, 3.30 kickoff as well. Back to the SEC for a primetime matchup on ESPN. 7 o'clock, number 24, Mississippi State at number 6, Alabama. Crimson Tide looking to respond. They had a very emotional, physical, tough road game, obviously, last week that they lost to Tennessee, who has jumped Alabama in the rankings, as they should have. The Vols sit at number three overall in the coaches' poll. Actually, the AP poll, rather. And Alabama at number six now. So the Crimson Tide from Bryant-Denny Stadium will try and knock off a ranked team in Mississippi State. Check it out on ESPN. And then as I look around the rest of college football, here's another ranked matchup for you, this one on Fox Sports 1. Number 8, TCU, hosting number 17, Kansas State. So some more Big 12 action. Not sure if you thought that we'd see a couple of good Big 12 games on the schedule when you kicked this season off. Kansas State, though, number 17, TCU into the top 10. That's something that's worth keeping an eye on. And then something about this Texas A&M-South Carolina game that gets gets my gears churning a little bit as well. SEC Network 7.30 kickoff from Williams-Brice Stadium down there in Columbia. Gamecocks coached by Shane Beamer. Texas A&M coached by Jimbo Fisher. There's always coaching beefs in the SEC. I don't necessarily think there's one between Jimbo and Shane Beamer, but Jimbo has had beefs with coaches in the SEC, mainly Nick Saban. And Shane Beamer has had his own coaching beefs, actually, with Mark Stoops, the head coach at Kentucky. So a couple of fiery guys going head-to-head in an SEC matchup later on tonight. Neither team is ranked, but South Carolina, I think, is is overperforming since Shane Beamer got to town, while Texas A&M very much underperforming since Jimbo Fisher got to town. So there you go. There's a breakdown of some of the college football games that we have going on across the land that are going to start in about 18 minutes. We're coming up on noon, and that's when we will sign off the air. But noon is when you get the first top 15 matchup of the day, which is number 14, Syracuse, at number 5, Clemson. That's on ABC. All right, we will step aside and take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to be closing out the show. We'll give thank yous. We'll tie a nice bow 
on everything, and we'll send you off to the rest of your college football Saturday, Sports Equinox Saturday. Don't go anywhere. You're listening. Love it. A little Blink-182 bringing us back on a Saturday morning, and it won't be morning for much longer. Noon is 12 minutes away. That means college football's full day of coverage is about 12 minutes away from kicking off as well. We're happy to be with you and to have been with you since 9 o'clock this morning. 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes, Caitlin, my producer. It's been a great show. We've had a couple of great guests have joined us. A lot of football talk, obviously, but we've touched on pretty much all the major sports today. NFL, college football, Major League Baseball. You've got the ALCS and the NLCS. Game scheduled tonight for both of those series. Capitals hockey, Wizards basketball, and UFC 280. Where else are you going to get such a fine blend of sports on a Saturday morning like this? You... Definitely could get it right here. So we appreciate everyone who's been with us. It's been a lot of fun. Blink-182, by the way. Tom DeLong back with the band. And now they're not only releasing a single, an album, but they're going on tour. They're coming to Capital One Arena. I'm trying to get tickets <laughs> like every other kid born in the 90s. Yeah, that those are our guys right there. Blink-182, right? You hear Cakes talk about it all the time. Money Metal Flakes. On the Junkies, he's a big Blink-182 guy, nice uh, punk rocker, if you will, right? Yeah, we were all pumped to hear that Blink-182 was going to do at least one more tour. Probably their last one as well, considering there have been several hiatus taken with that band. So as we wrap up the show, definitely going to send some thank yous out here in a moment. Commanders, 1 o'clock kickoff with the Green Bay Packers tomorrow afternoon it's on fox we've got pregame coverage over on the team 980 lanelle willingham denton day they will be with you for burgundy and gold game day do not miss that lanelle was one of our guests today and when it comes to the commanders boy there is a whole lot to dissect as there always is and it's never just limited to what's happening on the field that is no different this week commanders gonna go into battle with taylor heineke steering the ship this time that's going to be a lot different than Carson Wentz. His skill set, very different than Carson. So what will we get out of him against Green Bay? They've had some success, particularly Terry McLaurin. Can they get the ball to Terry a little bit more than they have over the last couple of weeks? Went for over 120 yards and a touchdown against Green Bay last year. Scored a touchdown in his only other matchup against the Packers back in 2019 as well. My one message to them is, Get the ball to Terry. But as Linnell said, don't turn the football over. Don't get penalized. Those are two pretty good places to start. Commanders have gotten themselves into trouble when they have not been able to do those two things. So Green Bay favored, as they probably should be. Four and a half point favorites last time I saw, even on the road. That means they'd be about a touchdown favorite if this game were being played at home. All the smart money is going towards the Packers. I don't know if I've actually heard anybody except for maybe Drab T-Shirt from, from the Junkies, one of their producers, pick the Commanders to actually win this game. I'm not picking the Commanders to win this game, but I will say this. I just have a weird feeling, a weird itch, a weird little something about this game. The Commanders are definitely not supposed to win, and maybe that's exactly why they're going to win. I mean... There have been several instances over Ron Rivera's tenure as this team's head coach where they go into a game 
and there have been plenty more instances where you go into a game expecting to win and then lose, but there have been a few of these where you definitely expect them to lose, and then they come out with a win. Maybe that's this week. Green Bay has been struggling. Aaron Rodgers under center. He's not the same quarterback without Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Some folks saying that he looks a little bit disinterested. I don't know if that's true. I think he's just still getting used to his new receivers. Those are a bunch of young guys out there anyway. It's tough to take too much away from that. LaFleur and head coach trying to get them back on track. So I I can't not pick Green Bay in this game just because of, of everything that Washington has struggled with on the field this year, but also off it, right? They have to get over everything and everyone talking about them with regards to Dan Snyder, the owner, being a tremendous distraction and whether or not the rest of the NFL owners will vote him out at some point here in the very near future. I think we're all sick of that conversation, but maybe nobody more than the players that are actually on this team. Well, maybe not nobody more because I think the fans, us, we are all the most sick of it because we've been talking about it the longest, especially the fans here in Washington, D.C. We've had a front row seat to this this clown show, this absolute circus. But maybe it starts to turn around this weekend. I wouldn't get my hopes up, but it's alumni weekend, homecoming, if you will, whatever. There'll be a bunch of former Redskins there in attendance, so I don't know. Maybe Maybe there's a little bit of magic to be had. But again, I wouldn't get my hopes up. I'm getting ready for this Syracuse-Clemson game, which is going to kick off here at noon. We're going to be getting off the air at about 11.55 here, so in about 90 or so seconds, a little bit less than that. And that's the first place that my eyeballs are going. Going to get a second screen so I can get the prelims for UFC 280 going and a third screen so I can get a second college football game going before we get... Major League Baseball later on tonight, and I'll definitely have to have a TV reserved for some playoff baseball. So thanks so much to my producer, Caitlin, doing an awesome job today. Appreciate her help, and thank you to both of my guests, RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage, and Linnell Willingham of the Team 980. Burgundy and Gold today, Burgundy and Gold game day. Listen to Linnell and Denton Day over on the Team 980 tomorrow. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend. I will talk to you all again next Friday, October 28th, when I host Overtime from 6.30 to 10 after Grant and Danny. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and be well. I'm out of here. Deuces. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.